From Relay FM, this is Connected, episode 171. Today's show is brought to you very kindly by our friends at Eero, Away, and Hover. My name is Mike Hurley. I'm joined by Stephen Hackett. Hello, Stephen Hackett. Hello, Michael Hurley. And welcome back, Federico Vitici. Ciao, ciao, ciao. Hey, guys. It's good to be back. Uh, I really I really missed you last week. Oh, that was nice. We missed, I missed yeah. you, too. You guys yeah. each had some time off. Mm-hmm. And uh, once again, I had to be the responsible adult and be here every week. Oh, but now we're all together. To like he never takes this a week off. This is not how it works, Dad. Just come on. thinks he can come in here and treat it <laughs> like he's the one who only does all the work for this show. Do you know what, then? <laughs> i tell you what. Take it. Take it away, buddy. It's all on you now. Yeah. Well, I mean, follow-ups the next part. Yeah, take it away. That, that's my part. So, we've been <laughs> Don't talking... Don't help him, Federico. Wow. And I'm Don't just going to monologue him. for the next 75 minutes. Yeah, this is minutes. on you now. This is yours. And this is the last episode of Connected. is <laughs> 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 a nice round number. Yeah, it's good. It's good. If, if you're ever going to stop, 171, best place to stop. Yeah. Juan wrote in suggesting that smart assistants have a, quote, wit slider, like Carrot Weather. And uh, I think this is a good idea. So we've talked about Siri. I think all three of us are annoyed when Siri gets something wrong and then is sort of cutesy about it. And Mike, you were speaking last week that the Google Home is just very talkative. Like it just wants to, it just it just wants wants to say up. stuff. It wants to shut yeah. up. It just wants to <laughs> have a bond with you. And I think Amazon does a good job. Like, hey, turn on the light. And it says, okay. And the light comes on. Uh, I like this idea that, hey, you know, I could go into Siri settings and say, you know what? I don't need any of your sass. I just want you to do uh, do what you're told. And then, you know, when the robot uprising comes, Siri will destroy me. Would you like some, some real world examples of this? Would you like me to, to get them to go on head to head and see how it sounds? I could do it right yeah. now. All right, let me grab yeah. the things. Oh, God. Oh, boy. Okay. Oh, God. Okay. What, is, what is happening uh, here? Sorry, everyone, for setting off your devices. But Alexa, turn on the office lamp. Okay. Okay, so that's that, right? That's that's what that one does. And then we'll <laughs> go for this okay. one. Okay, all right. Hey, Google, turn off the office lamp. Okay, turning the office lamp off. Why you got to do that? <laughs> Why you got to do that? Why you got to say <laughs> so much? A, there's, uh, there's an extra confirmation. Oh, that it, want, it wants you. It wants you to know it did its job. It, it, it wants to be congratulated, Mike. Yeah. Um, I mean, can you imagine being like, like uh, an AI... In Google's uh, server farms, must be really sad and lonely. Uh, once you get out into the canister, you just want to talk to people. I have noticed uh, that know? the voice on the Google Home sounds significantly better, but that's probably because I hear more of it. Um. It's craving, it's craving <laughs> some human connection oh, with it you. It really is. It really is. <laughs> Smart speakers have feelings too, Mike. There is something like that. Great copywriting can go a long way for this stuff. So we, we use a, a company in, in, in the UK, in London, called Ocado for our shopping. So, like, you know, you, you do, like, online grocery shopping, they bring it to you. They just they just created a new Echo skill where you can add things to your trolley just by voice, which is fantastic. I've wanted this forever. And the copywriting is so good. Like, there are lots of steps that you have to go through um, to... Like to it, you ask it for something, it confirms if this is the thing that you meant and tells you it's putting it in the cart. But like when you say at the end, it's like, hey, is there anything else I can help you with? And you're like, no. And it's like, okie dokie. And it's like just little things like that where it's it's not being stupid, it's not being silly, it's not making a dumb joke, but it's friendly. Mm-hmm. And and I really noticed it because I was like, that was a nice experience because it sounded kind of more like something a human would say as opposed to a, a robot and it changes like they're clearly they're they're um 
the copywriting is clearly ex- extensive because sometimes it's like okay um, otherwise it's like okie dokie like i like it it's kind of just a little bit more playful so yeah good copywriting can go a long way it doesn't have to just be dumb jokes yeah it's yeah i think i think there's a balance there and i think maybe google's too far to one side and siri definitely yep. is as well mm-hmm. uh and, and i think with siri it's just frustrating because it it seems to be the cutest when it gets things wrong or like, I don't know, something about that is just really grating uh, for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so Mike, you use Gboard on your sure iPhone, which is Google's third-party keyboard. And I don't, I don't quite understand what this is. So it is auto, auto switching to dark mode. What, what is yeah. this? So previously with Gboard, you could choose between a light theme and a dark theme for your keyboard. And it was basically a creamy white and black. So you would choose, and then that was it. So f- I used to use the black theme, like the dark theme. Uh, but the problem was I would open an app like Messages, and I would have a white screen and a dark keyboard, right? And on since iOS maybe 10 or 9, Apple's keyboard is actually a bit more context-aware, and the color changes, right? So like if you're using Messages, it's white, and if you pull down to use Spotlight, it goes dark. It goes a kind of like a translucent dark color, mm-hmm. right? But... Gboard, I was kind of stuck between one or the other. They just put out an update yesterday, and two things changed, which I find interesting. Their default theme, the white, what was clearly a creamy white, is now gray, so it looks like the iOS keyboard. And their dark theme continues to be dark, but if you turn on the settings for automatic... Well, actually, I don't even think you need to turn on automatic setting. It just does it on its own now. It detects when an application has a mostly dark theme or a light theme, and switches the keyboard to be more context-aware. And I think it's fantastic. It was one of my only remaining frustrations about Gboard mm. was the fact that like the keyboard didn't match up in ways that I wanted, but now it does, and I'm super happy about it. And mm-hmm. I will continue to endorse Gboard as mm. the way of the future. Like I've I've convinced Casey List to try it because he's been complaining about autocorrect <laughs> and I never have problems mm, yeah. with autocorrect because but now Google will know his secrets. Exactly. Oh, the secrets God. of the of This the is why I didn't directly suggest that Casey should try it. I mentioned it on upgrade and now he's trying it. And the reason is because I know he'll go with Casey about it, right? Like like for example, Kyle is now posting in the chat room the fact that there was this other virtual keyboard that leaked a bunch of client records and like as as a way to kind of be like I'm assuming Oh, don't use a on the keyboard because they might link it. But like, the thing is, right? Google has this information regardless, right? Like it could leak from anywhere. Like I don't care. Like I just don't care. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. so I I asked around the bunch last night. I was playing with Gboard and I was impressed by just how uh, how you managed to switch themes in a bunch of apps. And there's a native, uh, of course, there's a native iOS API that uh, maybe a lot of developers don't know or simply don't take advantage of. But Google is doing nothing shady to detect um, whether you know you're using an app with a light theme or a dark theme. It's just querying um, an iOS API that basically returns the whether the system keyboard would be you know the Apple keyboard would be in the light version or the dark oh, version that you get, for clever. example, when you swipe down. So Google is saying, okay, if the system keyboard in this very instance would be in the dark version, then I'm gonna be in the in the dark version as well. So it's not like you know Google is monitoring the apps that you use. That's not what's going on. It's a native iOS API that Apple made specifically, I guess, for uh, third-party custom keyboards. So. Uh, all natively supported, nothing nothing secret or shady going on. So again, I love Gboard. It's 
the autocorrect is significantly better. The, it has an emoji search bar. Uh, you can search for GIFs from the keyboard, and it even does some smart stuff where it recognizes the names of places and it shows Google searches for them. I think it's fantastic. I don't care about the, the Google stuff because I it, I just really don't believe that they're trying to get me. Um, mm-hmm. So I use it every day and have done for a long time. And since the iPhone 10, it's gotten even better because I never get that like weird Apple keyboard anymore. Like I, I de- <laughs> you know, cause I deleted the, the standard Apple keyboard. Right. So I don't have it. So if I would like access something when my phone is locked, like a, a notification, I would get like, an Apple keyboard without any quick type, without any autocorrect, is the way I would reply to, to <laughs> messages. It was like this super, just like barren keyboard. Like sometimes the keys would fall off. It was really upsetting. Um, but now, since the iPhone 10, because every time I'm looking at my phone, it unlocks it. I get my Gboard, so it's great. Do you know, Mike, if Gboard, um, like if you set up the system replacements, it works on, on tech. It works. Yep, okay. Keeps the system replacements, yeah. and I don't know how, but I have better luck with <laughs> with them on my iPhone than my iPad. I don't know what the difference is. I don't know what Google's doing, but they work. So, like, I set up a okay. bunch of emoji mostly, but yeah, they work. The system replacements work, and even the at Google's version of QuickType, their like little bar at the top, it shows the emoji or like it will show the text replacement for oh. you as well. So I have okay. like one f- to show the little nerd face, which is N N E. And when I type that, the emoji pops up, and I press space, and it just autofills. But it, oh, it nice. knows it's there, so it's all very, very clever, nice. and it's just getting better and better all the time. Very happy with it. So there has been a lot of news about some software bugs at Apple. We are not going to recap the news because this is has all happened like a week ago. Uh, so we're going to assume moving forward that you know about the High Sierra root bug and the fix then the fix was broken more like by sierra am i right by sierra uh, oh god oh god it's good you know that's and what the, everyone the, says now they don't want a sierra so. it's not every, define everyone it's i feel like everyone is you well no nobody wants it anymore because it's it's full of security holes that's my understanding <laughs> and bugs <laughs> and problems and nobody puts any focus on it that's what i know mm. Mm. wow mm. Also, the uh, December 2nd gate, where local notifications would crash Springboard endlessly on December 2nd for some reason. (laughs) December 2nd gate. I think we can do better than that. Uh, (laughs) No, I I thought about this for quite a bit of time, and I I really can't come up with anything. Okay. Do we need to brainstorm it, or are you just going to come back to that? What about date gate? Date gate? Yeah. Damn, that's good. (laughs) Date gate. Date gate. That guy. <laughs> I don't know. It's all just like really unfortunate. That's the way I look at it. It's just this is sad for everybody. Yeah. Either so, either one of these stories would be a rough week for Apple. But having both of them just like five days apart, it's not not great. Not a great look. Let me ask you, right? Like, if if this sort of stuff is happening to you two personally, would you prefer these mm-hmm. two things to happen at the same time or separately? <laughs> Because, like, know. <laughs> you know, if, if they're happening at the same time, like, it's really bad, but you're kind of already in the mode of trying to fix stuff. So, like, another thing is just another thing. But, like, if these happen yeah. two months apart, it's like, oh, man, I thought we fixed this stuff. You know? Maybe it's better yeah. that it happens at mm-hmm. the same time. I don't know. It's like you ripped the band-aid off at once or slowly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's an mm-hmm. interesting question. Mm-hmm. So, I, I'm curious how how the two of you feel about this. I think... I think my sort of thought walking away from last week is, okay, clearly 
something Apple needs to ch- look, look at some processes and maybe look at some teams and some managers and try to work some things out. Um, but I, I keep thinking about like what what's the long term uh, what's the long term effect of these things, and my guess is that there's probably not much of one, especially the iOS bug because they got 11.2 out so fast. It was already ready. They just pushed it out a couple of days early. I, I think out in the real world, the number of people who ha- ran into this, their phone rebooting was actually probably really small. Like I was anticipating Saturday being full of calls and text messages from my friends and family saying, my phone is rebooting, please help me. And I didn't hear a single thing. Uh, and usually, you know, I'm the person people come to who know me like, Hey, what about this? What about this? And so I didn't hear a single thing, which I was really surprised. Um, I think the high Sierra bug is, is the more serious of the two by far. And I think that, I think that especially like, like pro it people, they're going to remember this for a while and they're going to, uh, this is going to be something that is hard to shake. If you are a Mac admin or you, you know, to have to defend the Mac in your workplace or something like that. This is a pretty big piece of ammunition against the Mac and enterprise. But, uh, but I think for like average users, like I don't know anyone who's like next time they're going to buy a computer, the high Sierra login bug is going to make them think about picking up a surface instead of a MacBook pro. And so long-term, you know, I think Apple, I think the reputation like is definitely damaged. There's definitely a trust issue, especially if you're like a, a power Mac user, but I think at the end of the day that it's not like this is not something that we're like I don't think any of us are calling for like Craig Federighi's head on a platter or for like massive restructuring or like yeah maybe some people in the QA department need to be looked at you know we need to figure out what happened but uh, I don't think it's the end of the world it's bad it's a it's they're bad but it's not I don't think it's crippling what do y'all think so I feel like it's really. It's really just a just a, an, an unfortunate coincidence that it happened, uh, both the date stuff and the high Sierra stuff on the same, really within a couple of days of each other. Uh, obviously, I also think the high Sierra bug is the, you know, even from a PR perspective, it was the worst one for Apple. Um, I'm I'm not sure as as an iOS user, I'm not sure how I feel about the high Sierra stuff. I've been thinking about this, like how do I explain this? Maybe to my friends, uh, because one of one of the one of the common themes of all the people that I've convinced to switch from a, from Windows to uh, to the Mac is mm-hmm. you get no you, you don't get malware you don't have to worry about you know like viruses or stuff uh, affecting your computer and obviously this is no malware this is no uh, you know I have to install an antivirus on my PC but it's still it was at least a huge security problem. So how do I reconcile the fact that I've pushed all my friends to uh, get a Mac for security with this kind of major security problem? And I think, I don't have a, I don't have a clear answer. I just think that it was good to see uh, like a quick response from Apple and a quick fix and documentation, uh, you know, within basically just a few hours. Um, but I'm, uh, it's, it's a black eye. That's the way that I see it. it's a black eye, and uh, I'm not sure that there really isn't a like a, a way to recover because this stuff just happens, and once it happens, uh, it's it's out there. There's no way to make good on it. You release a software update, but it happened, and the fact that it happened even just once, it's something 
that will remember and um i i just think it it's just too bad that it happened because we we weren't we were not used to this kind of security problem affecting at least to my memory affecting apple computers and i imagine if this stuff happened on an iphone like if you were able to log into an iphone by just typing 000 on the passcode ui that would have been incredibly bad um of course this was maybe more contained but i fear for the day that a similar problem could occur on an iphone and on the lock screen of an iphone um so i don't know uh my general feeling of this is that um all of this is not good like all of this is <laughs> not good for the overall perception of apple software quality you know like I think that people are talking about it's not great with Jason. I think that people are hesitant to update their devices anyway, right? Like that has become a trend over the last couple of years. And every time something bad potentially like this happens, I think that you end up in a scenario where more people are just concerned for updating their phones and or just generally trusting Apple software quality. Um, I don't think that it's a good it's a good look because these bugs were the only way to fix them was to tell people like a big stink had to be made a lot of noise had to be made um, in in the effort to try and make sure that people fix these things and or didn't run into them and or didn't do the bad thing that might have to happen for it to occur to you so I don't think that it's good overall. Um, I don't think that this specific thing is going to make a difference, but I think it is adding to the overall um, perception of poor quality software, which, and or I'm scared of updating my device, mm. right? I think it's adding to all of that. And I think that mm. in the long run, that is really bad for Apple um, because they don't want to be seen as that company. There's something that I wanted to say um, that I really didn't like. Uh, on Twitter a few days ago when this stuff was going down. Um, the responses from a few people, uh, you know, uh, everybody was sort of trying to explain what to do with this security bug. And I saw some tweets saying, but hey, sure, on Windows and, and on Android, you get all these other security problems and everyone now is making a big fuss about this high Sierra bug. And I was thinking about this response that I that I really don't understand what something happens to your favorite company, you point to something bad from some other company. Mm-hmm. And 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 I and I don't think it's it's the best way to to discuss these issues. Like imagine if your kid you're a parent and your kid does something bad. You don't say, well, but those other kids did something worse. You need to care about your own kid. And in this sense, you know, when we're talking about Apple, because we follow Apple, of course, we're not, <laughs> Apple is not our kid, but um, in the sense that we, we care about this company and, uh, and I think it's, it's not productive or not honest to point out to other companies and their own security problems when we should be discussing this one uh, because we, we hold Apple to such a high reputation that, of course, this in any possible measure, this is a this is a this has damaged their Apple's reputation. So to say, well, but it's worse on Windows and it's worse on Android. Sure, maybe, but that's really beside the point. Yeah, I agree. I completely agree. So there you go. It's taken care of. I don't think that it's good for them overall, but it isn't the worst thing that's ever happened to them. I don't think so. So 
let's uh let's hope there's nothing no more big bugs to talk about next week Give us, give, <laughs> us give us a week. Give us a week. Don't say it cuz you don't you don't want to jinx it. Today's show is brought to you by our friends at Eero. Never think about Wi-Fi again. Eero have created the dream Wi-Fi setup. It's fast, it's reliable, and it's a connection you will get throughout your entire house even all the way out to the backyard. And Eero have a brand new set of devices. They're super slick second-generation devices that will help you do this. They have a tri-band second-gen model uh, that they couple along with the Aero Beacon, allowing you to build that Wi-Fi system that will be perfectly tailored to your home. The second-gen Aero includes a third 5 gigahertz radio. This makes it twice as fast as ever before and will let you do more than ever as well. No matter what your Wi-Fi needs are, Eero has the power to help you. The new device just sits flat on any surface. It's super easy to plug it into the wall and then you'll be ready to connect your Eero with Ether, uh, Ethernet or via wireless as well. And it also includes a thread radio. This will let you connect to low-power devices such as locks, doorbells, and more super easily um, and can help you live that connected home lifestyle. The Aero Bacon is super, super cool because you can just plug as many in as you want. They just plug directly into the wall, right? And they just sit on the wall. And then also, because they're sitting right there, why don't they do something else? Okay, what about a built-in LED nightlight with an ambient light sensor as well? So you can plug those things in the hallway and you can find your way to the bathroom at 3 in the morning. How nice is that? The Aero app will also let you manage your network from the palm of your hand. You can get uh, a call, get a hold of a Wi-Fi expert in just 30 seconds with their customer support. They have the whole situation taken care of for you. Now, I know, Stephen, that your home is blanketed in the lovely Wi-Fi blanket that Aero provides. Yeah, absolutely. And I've got a couple of those those new beacons, and they're great because you don't have to run Ethernet to them. You don't have to have like a flat surface to plug to have them sit on. They just they sit there right there in the outlet. And uh, I've got them stashed, you know, kind of out of the way. I've got one back in the utility room. I didn't have to run anything extra. I just plugged it in, and the app found it and it connected. And it's uh, it's super great. You don't have to do a bunch of hoop jumping to make it work. Just plug it in yep. and go. And what I like about the beacons, they're not these huge big boxes with a couple of antenna ears sticking out of the side, right? Like <laughs> they're, they're super just chill, right? Like they're just nice and small and sleek. The new Aero system starts at $3.99 for a second-gen Aero and two beacons, and that's a great package to get you started. Listeners of this show can get free overnight shipping to the U.S. or Canada when you go to Aero.com and use the promo code CONNECTED. That's E-E-R-O.com, promo code CONNECTED for free overnight shipping. Our thanks to Aero for their support of this show. So Federico, a couple of days ago, you sent me and Stephen mm. uh, uh, an iMessage message. And included in mm. that iMessage message was a picture. And the picture, I think at the top, just said grazie, like that. <laughs> and then it was like an, an order f- for an Apple Watch. You bought an Apple Watch for a reason that yeah. doesn't completely make sense. Well, uh, I, I bought the Series 3 Apple Watch uh-huh. uh, with, without cellular, because mm. we, we don't have the cellular version in Italy. And basically, um, it, there's a couple of reasons behind this. Uh I one of them is I wanted to have the latest uh, Apple hardware from 2017. I wanted to have the full line uh, mm-hmm. because I I really like what Apple has released this year from the iPhone to the iPad and even the Apple TV 4K something that I want to get. Um, and so I wanted to have the complete line. Um, but really I I wanted to use my Apple Watch more 
Um, I've been hearing about the Series 3 and the, speed, the speed improvements and the battery life improvements, and I was kind of jealous of, you know, I was listening to John, I was listening to you, and, he, and I thought, even if I cannot get the cellular one, I feel like I could use the, the speed improvements and the battery life stuff, because I like to use my Apple Watch for sleep tracking, and I feel like, uh, you know, if the battery lasts longer, it becomes easier for me to find a moment during the day when I can recharge my Apple Watch, and really, there's a couple of apps that I really want to use on my watch, like Shazam, for example. That were and they used to be really slow on the Series Two watch. And so the combination of I don't want to wait for Italian carriers because I, you know, they could maybe make up their mind next year in June when Apple announces the Series Four. Um, and the fact that I really wanted to try these uh, faster and better Series Three, I just went for it. And uh, I luckily I, I have already sold my Series Two watch. I actually I, I've actually been pretty um, disciplined about selling my old stuff. Selling old stuff is something that I really don't like to do because I don't have the patience. Or I don't have the time for it. But I've been able to sell my my iPhone Seven Plus. I sold my watch. I'm probably gonna sell my PS Four. So it's an, I I don't feel bad about buying new stuff as much as like last year, for example. Um, so. Um, I have the Series 3 on my wrist right now, and I there's nothing much to say, really. I have no cellular features, but I really like it. It's much, much faster. Uh, I'm using apps like Shazam and uh, Things, um, actually, uh, more because they, they launch in just a couple of seconds. And I love the fact that Siri talks back, that it's not limited to tapping you when it's done and being useless like it was on the Series 2 watch. Uh, it actually talks back and it's really useful because I can talk to it, uh, go back to do something else like washing the dishes and then Siri talks back to me uh, through the speakers. So it's really nice and it's basically, I'm basically repeating everything you probably heard or already discussed about the Series 3 watch but without the cellular benefits because I cannot get those features now. Um, yeah. That's that's really the story. I wanted a better watch, and I got the better watch. That that's mm -hmm. all I did. Um, Doesn't make sense, Mike. Is it acceptable? Yeah, no, it makes sense. It makes sense. Mm. Uh, do you use the audio of Siri then, like on your watch? Oh, yeah. I don't do that. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I I love. I've always liked the idea of Siri on the wrist, like having a like a like a Siri attached to me all the time. I love that idea. I love how Siri. Uh, Siri works with uh, with HomeKit stuff, especially, and also something I've been doing lately, mostly on the iPhone. I don't do that on the watch as much, but I, um, I'm, I'm asking for uh, movie information, like when I'm watching a movie or a TV show, and I'm mm -hmm. asking Siri about the name of an actor. It's like if you want to know about Michael Fassbender, right? Like you just ask. Mm. Yeah, for yeah, no actual actors. Feel and like, I mean, if you're like, who uh, is this <laughs> random person on my television that I can't understand? Yeah, it's always it's like Federico again. It's Michael Fassbender. Like how many more times? That's just what Siri <laughs> says to you. We have to keep uh, going through but, this. <laughs> or also, also something that I do a lot is conversion from USD to euros because, of course. Um, but yeah, I I I use Siri quite a bit these days. I think we've talked about this before. I'm not a, you know, I don't do like crazy workflows with Siri because it's like uh, just some simple questions every once in a while, but quite often during the day. 
and uh, it works really well on the Series 3 with, with audio feedback. I really, really like it. It's, uh, I feel like I, I wasn't using Siri before because I truly didn't like the tapping back when it was done, and it was also slow. So right now it's faster, and it talks. It's actually, it, it feels like the true Siri on the wrist, which is really, really nice. Steven, do you use it like that? On occasion, uh, if I'm out for a walk or something, or my ha- or, you know hands are full or whatever, yeah, uh, I'll I'll do it. But it's not as much as I thought it would be. Uh, when I do use it, it's it's effective, like it, it's fast and it works better than Siri ever has on the watch. But it hasn't like fundamentally changed my usage of Siri. I don't think. So all of this this whole topic was just as a way to trap Federico into talking about things because you mentioned that you use things on your watch and you're back now so you've uh, you've gotten away from hiding from us for a week (laughs) what is going on (sighs) like i need the story now especially because on app stories you spoke about the application itself right Mm -hmm. but neglected to really talk about what Mm. the situation is i feel like (sighs) at this point you've run out of options why are you using things but I, I could just hang up on Skype right you now. You could, you could, and we could just leave it to Stephen. But we need, um, we need it from you. We need the content. So um, there was a question that I kept repeating in my brain a few weeks ago. Why am um, I doing this? <laughs> pretty much. Pretty, I was asking myself: Do I really? Do I really need all these automations? that I've put together, that I've built for my task manager? Do I really need all these workflows? Uh, because, you know, when you, when you make these automations, when you make all these workflows, you are uh, walking a fine line between workflows being really useful, but also just adding complexity in your life because it's fun to make them. And I'm totally aware of the fact that, and I, and I always say as much, that all the workflow, most of the workflows that I published and that I read about are proof of concepts and things that I just have fun to play with and to explain. But for Todoist, I, I built a lot of workflows for MacStories and myself to automate as many parts as possible of my daily schedule and routine. Mm-hmm. And so I was asking myself this question, is it really necessary for me to have all this automation? And at the same time, this is basically the, the reason why it feels so strange. It's because it, it's a really personal story. I've been, I've been feeling, um, since September, since publishing my iOS 11 review, I've been feeling um, stressed more than usual at this time of the year. Um, and, and every time I was looking, I was opening my task manager and uh, there was like a dozen, like 20, 25 tasks due today and mostly overdue from several days before and changing their color to red and, you know, having priorities set high by my automations. And I was, uh, and just opening the Todoist became like a, like a source of anxiety and stress and feeling bad and guilt. Um, because it's been, it's been a strange, it's been a different year for me. Um, you know, usually I publish my uh, iOS review in September and then I, take a like a brief break or mini vacation like a week or 10 days and then I'm back to normal work 
And this year, instead, I published my iOS review and I jumped straight into preparing a presentation for the Release Notes conference in Chicago. And then I came back and I was totally behind on work and I was totally behind, behind on admin stuff for the site. And so I took care of that. And then I also realized, oh my God, the iPhone 10 is coming out. So I better work on a, on a story for the iPhone 10. Mm-hmm. And of course, I spent a month writing about the iPhone 10. And so, I'm, you know, it's, it's been a... It's been a strange year. It's been a different year. And, uh, uh, you know, with the dogs and with a bunch of problems, I've been feeling a lot of stress. And on top of that, when opening the task manager, I was like, okay, now maybe I'm going to feel more organized when I look at my inbox. But no, I was feeling more stress. I was feeling more anxiety. And really the problem was, and sort of the, the tipping point was that the more I was feeling stressed and the more my automations kept working in the background and creating tasks for me. And I was like, no, man, I just need a break here. I, I just, I cannot do this anymore. Like I, when I feel like that I'm catching up on my to-do list, there's like five workflows on Zapier creating 10 more tasks for me. All right, let me ask you a quick um, question at this, at this juncture. Mm-hmm. I understand what you're saying, but aren't they things that need to be done? Isn't that why it's happening? Like, so, uh, all you're doing yes. is hiding from the tasks. I am. And okay, I, and okay I was. cool. <laughs> okay, just as long as we all know that, we're good. <laughs> yes, 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 I was. And so I did, I did two, uh, I, I tried to make two changes. Um, one is I, I figured that the, the problem was, uh, I, I tried to fix the problem at the source of why, and, I, and I'm probably going to sound like gray to you, but why do I need to do these things? Mm-hmm. Is it absolutely necessary for me to do these things? And so I made a few changes to be able to delegate those tasks to someone else. Um, but at the same time, I realized I maybe it's maybe time for me to try another task manager because I've been using Todoist for a year and I feel like I said at the time when I was switching from to do maybe that I wanted to experiment with Todoist. And I feel like I did my experiment and I did my, you know, <laughs> I think I have a pretty good understanding of automation and Todoist and all the APIs. Um, so maybe it's time for me to try something else. Maybe maybe I, I need to see if organizing my life in a different way could be better for me. And so I, the combination of I'm delegating these things to someone else and the automations that I absolutely need, I can make them work with Slack. So all the notification-based tasks that I was creating in Todoist, I can now create reminders in Slack. But all the other ones, I've discovered that I can replicate with iOS 11 drag and drop, for example. Uh, let, let me let me let me offer you a practical example here. Uh, so I had a series of tasks every day that allowed me to automate how I post about new episodes of Connected and Remaster and Canvas on Mac Stories, and that used to be a workflow uh, on Zapier that set uh, a task for me on Todoist with a high priority and a due date and a reminder. But now. Um, and I was doing all kinds of crazy things with Python and scraping the Relay website, sorry, Stephen, um, yeah. to, get, to get the HTML and convert it to Markdown. 
But I realized with iOS 11, I can literally just open the Relay website in Safari. I can select the connected web page. It's a very nice can, website too. You know, you're given it's a, a very a nice website every time. And I can just select the text of the of the new episode and drag it into Ulysses. And when I drop it, it's already converted to Markdown. It's all that I need to publish to Mac Stories. So I realized that with iOS 11 and drag and drop, some of these things I didn't need automation for anymore. And so when you consider these three changes, uh, I wanted to try something new. I wanted to delegate more. And I wanted to... Um, to take advantage of iOS 11 more, it, it seemed to me that I was I had all the conditions to try and switch my task manager for a while. Um, and with things, um, there's a part of my, part of me that wanted to try things because uh, since version three came out in May, um, I was really attracted by by the design and the sort of the the way that it was different from. OmniFocus or Todoist or these other professional task managers. Mm-hmm. But also, I, I was under the impression, just by talking to people who use things, that it was good for that kind of... the, the kind of person that was um, suffering from stress and anxiety in terms of you know managing tasks and managing responsibilities on a daily basis. Um and really, it all comes down to a single feature of things that I think it's helping me cope better with uh, um, remaining calm when I realize I'm behind on the things that I need to do. And that is the, that things is heavily based on this uh, today feature. Um, you can basically mark uh, to-dos as due today. You don't need to attach a due time. You don't need to attach a notification um, and you have this today screen, which is organized in two separate sections. One is today, which would be you know the morning and the afternoon, and the other is this evening. It literally just says this evening, and there's a moon icon, and there's a horizontal separator between the two. And it's a very simple, very visual way to sort of organize the, what I need to do during the day and what I can do at night, maybe after dinner, you know, the lighter stuff that it's not as urgent. Um, but I, I feel like the reason that I like things, and, and again, I talked about all the features on App Stories, um, but the bigger theme is it, it's the kind of tax manager that I need um, at this point in my life because, it, it uh, you know, the, the design and the way that the today screen works, it makes me more relaxed when I look at my task manager, when I look at my to-do list it doesn't make me feel bad there's no different coloring for overdue items there's no um, priorities there's no i i don't feel guilt when i look at it and if you don't complete something today it just automatically goes on to tomorrow and it doesn't get a special color it just stays there um and there's two conclusions that i feel that i that i want to make after i've been trying things for like two weeks at this point so it's again this is not like a full commitment i just um i i feel like we're talking about it because you guys saw that i was using things and you're like why are you using no, things you confessed you, it you, you just randomly I, confessed uh, it you brought this upon sh- yourself sure <laughs> all right but um there's two conclusions that i want to make one is um and i think i've talked about this before i'm i am increasingly 
drawn to um, apps with beautiful designs on iOS. Um, apps that feel native to iOS. Um, it's the reason why I cannot stop paying for Apple Music, even though I also pay for Spotify. Um, I I can uh, as time goes on, I have less and less patience for um, stuff that doesn't feel native to my iPhone or my iPad. And Things is absolutely beautiful, just to look at and to use. It's elegant. It's simple. It just it feels like the task manager that Apple would make uh, if they you know they didn't make reminders, uh, which is unfortunate. Um, but also, I am starting the bigger the bigger conclusion is i'm starting to accept the fact that maybe i'm just not the person who can make um a task manager recommendation forever and say this is the absolute best task manager that i that i recommend for the next five years and then maybe i'm the kind of person who just like i i change hairstyles or i change the music that i that i listen to on a monthly basis or you know sometimes i play for a month with my nintendo switch and i'm Sometimes I play with my PlayStation 4. Sometimes I maybe I just the task manager is also a reflection of my life and how you know how I'm dealing with responsibilities, how I'm coping with work. Um, so maybe I'm not the best guy to make a task manager recommendation because it, it highly depends on what my life is like at this very moment. And I don't know if this makes any sense, but it I've I've been thinking about why I I switched from to do this in the first place and what are the conclusions that I'm reaching and hopefully somebody else that l- listens to the show will find some meaning in all of this rambling explanation. <laughs> I have a question for you and I, I'm I'm just trying I'm just trying to help you here like just to identify some potential hazard points of your new System. This is literally therapy going yeah. on on, yeah, on doing, this episode. I'm doing okay. what I can for you. I, I talk about and think about this stuff enough now in my life that it is of great interest to me. So it seems like what you're doing is the same amount of stuff, but you're just shuffling it around. So you mentioned about, and like this is something I've seen you do, you had this, this automation that would remind you to post about a podcast episode on Mac Stories, and it would just, and you've, you used it as the example here, right? You, yes. It will pop up in Todoist, and you said you've moved it to Slack. So I'm assuming that you've set up a channel in Slack where these posts go to, and then when you see them, you post about them uh, on the site, right? Yeah. That is the same action, just in another place. You're still doing the same thing, and every time you open Slack, there's going to be a little unread notification badge there. So no, no, no. Well, well, it's not the gonna be on the icon. Gonna... It's when, when, yeah, on the channel. Yeah. So every time you're talking to someone, and you swipe over to that bar. There's that thing there, and you're like, "Oh, I'll go do that thing later on." To go do that thing, that thing's there. I know what that means. I go do that thing. My concern is like this is going to turn you away from Slack eventually. I think that what this is proving is that it's it, it, you might have to think about that action itself. Uh, as opposed to the way that yeah. it presents itself to you, because all you've kind of done is like shuffled the deck chairs around a little bit um, as mm. to where it's going to be living, because it's still it's still an action you need to perform. I understand completely why you're doing this. I feel like I I cannot argue with your reasons. 
um, because they are personal to you, especially with the, where they're coming from, which is like a feeling of overwhelm. But I would just say that like I, it might be worth paying a little bit more attention to the things that you're doing and working out if you can get rid of more of them as opposed to just like, oh, I'll remove the automation from Todoist. Mm-hmm. I'll set up a new automation in Slack instead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. but that that's really the like the smaller uh, part of this process. Mm-hmm. Uh, or like getting rid of the automations. It's uh, it's just one of the many reasons, and it's not even the most important one. I think the um, the 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 two most important reasons are the fact that um, things by design it. It makes me like I I like the way that it looks and it's 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 calm. It it doesn't look like I'm I'm not sure the be- what the best way to to convey this would be. But okay, my, it doesn't well, uh, look it doesn't look like work. My concern is though that it's because it's new. Like you have just Could assigned be. that feeling of this looks like work to Todoist in your mind. So yeah, like when you open be. Todoist, you're like, oh, I'm in work now. And it's just because mm-hmm. you have this new fancy shiny application, which doesn't feel like work. It could be. It could be. But again, I, 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 I want to understand. Like, if I'm not, this is a question that I'm asking you, uh, I guess. But there's some apps and services that I cannot stop using, right? Like, I cannot stop using WordPress because otherwise Mac stories would disappear. I cannot stop using Slack, otherwise I wouldn't be able to talk to my teammates. Um, but if I can find an alternative, why is it so bad to switch task managers? Um, because we switch email clients, we, we, we play around with multiple text editors, but whenever I'm, I'm testing another task manager, um, a lot of folks uh, are really almost shocked by the idea um and there's this uh, I, i'm not sure why but it feels like switching a task manager is almost a, a like like an absurd and like a crazy thing to do it's a religious or, war uh, it's what yeah. it's almost like it's like people super believe in the system that they're using and especially i mean as well okay a lot of part of it for you federico is people use these systems because of your recommendation. So, like, mm-hmm. one of the reasons I was so upset with you moving to things is because yeah. I moved to Todoist because you convinced me. So but but now it doesn't what? make now, Todoist any, any worse for yeah, you. But I don't know that until you tell me why. Right? Which is why I've been hounding you for three weeks. I need to know why you've switched. Because if you're telling me now that things is better because of X, Y, and Z, and they're the no. same reasons that you told me to go to, to do this in the first place, I need to know that, because I might it's, be missing uh, out. Ah, I get it. Right? Yeah, and you know, you know, I gotta say, the, the fact that whenever I try something else, for a very personal reason, that, you know, my audience, let's say, um, starts asking why like you um it doesn't it doesn't help the fact that like i'm trying things because i'm going through some personal problems but <laughs> the the people at well. large they expect some kind of productivity explanation 
whereas it's just no to do is is better than things uh, when it comes to automation when it comes to collaboration when it comes to you know cross platform it's totally better but mine is a like mine is a personal problem and well, and it's it's you know uh it's hard to reconcile the fact that I'm switching task managers for personal reasons with the people now expect a story on the site. So now we're going into a very different world here where it's... Uh-huh. Okay, so we're down a very deep rabbit hole. About the idea of living in public. Yeah. So you decide, you made decisions in your life which have led you to where you are. And part of that is that you share things with the internet. You share them with sure. the world. As a way of being like, I am an authority... And I have good opinions and taste, and I believe that you should listen to the things that I have to say about applications, right? Like, that right. Is, that's Federico Vitici. That's what people look at. You are a person who people trust to give them recommendations. So every time you share an application that you're using, people will assume it is the best one, unless you mm. tell them otherwise. So, like, mm. just saying or posting a screenshot which has things in it, people will be like, oh, like, what's this all about, right? Like, this isn't mm-hmm. the application that Federico recommended that I use. Like, I, I want to know why. Like, Federico's using it for a reason. I want to know that reason. So mm-hmm. there is a... If, if the problem that you're having is, like, you talk about a thing and then people want to know about it, you just don't talk about it, right? Like, you, right. you're just going to keep it to yourself until you're ready to tell everybody else. Because mm. people want to yeah, know. It's, it, yeah, it's not really a problem. I wouldn't say it's a problem. It's just... Hmm. I don't know how to explain it when it's something so like I'm not gonna go on my stories and say uh, well I was feeling stressed so I, I switched my task manager it, it's not a good enough reason for an article Connect you know? is a whole different but, situation we can, we can well, talk about on, it here on the, it's just on me the podcast and you. I can talk exactly it's on the podcast I can talk about it with you guys but it, it, it's not I mean I love the fact that people trust what I like and and use what I like and, you know, try the workflows that I make and stuff. That's awesome. Um, but it's just, this time, I don't feel like I have a good enough reason. Or I, I, or the story behind it is just, it wouldn't be applicable to someone else. That That's the problem. Not the fact that people listen and want to try the same stuff, but this time, I'm, I'm not even... Like, my explanation, it, it had a bunch of different reasons. I'm not even sure myself why. Uh, and I don't know. I'll probably be back to Todoist. I don't know. I still think Todoist is honestly the best one. <laughs> yeah. See, this is my point. I want the freedom to try something else. That that's uh, I would say that's maybe the conclusion here. I wanted to be able to excuse myself mm-hmm. and try something else for a while. Well, I, again, it's completely fine. But I, I think that like if this is a thing that frustrates you, then they, you just need to build a system of caveats when you talk about things, right? So mm-hmm. like, just say, like, I'm trying it out. I'll let you know what I think about it. And then you can move on. Like yeah. most, I think most people will then just wait. They'll wait for the 25,000 word TG review that's never going to come, but they think it's going to come. You know, it's just like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, like I'll wait. He'll write a big review. And then eventually you're just like, nah, it wasn't worth it. And everyone goes, okay, thanks for letting me stick with Todoist. Right? Like nobody <laughs> wants to be left behind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. That's that's my two cents. Yeah. But is this the kind of story that 
you was expecting like uh the, the- i assumed there was something going on right like uh, for you to move to an application that doesn't have workflows in it makes me assume that something big has changed obviously i didn't think it was this thing exactly but i knew that there was some kind of seismic shift going on because i know the way that you work right like am my and again like i i you haven't moved away from the workflows. The workflows have just been changed, no. right? Yeah. So it's like yeah. what's... I couldn't work out how you were getting yourself into a situation where you were trusting yourself to just do it, right? Because the workflows are the safety net. So that was why I've been so incessant in wanting to understand what the heck was going mm. on because I could see something had bigger changed and I was wondering what it was. I hoped it was some some like revelation of like, I've cracked it. I'm able to get things done at a faster rate than ever nah. before so I could learn from you. Um, but yeah. instead, it's just a, a feeling that I think all of us can can uh, can have from time to time. Yep. Um, I'm yep. having it right now because I leave the country again in two days. Uh, so I'm feeling that overwhelmedness feeling. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of the time, like the ben- what you need to do and what you are doing is just take a step back, look at what your system yep. is doing for you, see where you can optimize it, and then move on from there and you're in that world right now but unfortunately it's compounded with the fact that people just want to know why you're using a new application federico they just want to know yeah yeah and it's like my 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 problem was i it's not i'm not working on a review i'm not i'm not even sure like i'm supposed to be working now on my must-have roundup of the year and i gotta make up my mind is uh, am i switching to things for real or am i going back to to do this because honestly i i miss the collaboration stuff i miss uh you know the integrations with my email client um and all the you know the the way that i can talk to to the echo and create stuff in to doist um i i miss all of those features and now i'm supposed to be to to make a decision and i'm not sure like uh, and as you say, like, am I just running away from the problem? Is, is the problem is not the task manager? The problem is maybe the the things that I'm putting into the task manager. Am I just uh, remixing and switching uh, things while avoiding uh, the real problem that lies uh, underneath? Uh, probably. Uh, so now that I'm now that I'm done with my iPhone 10 story, and that I'm, you know, I'm not traveling anymore. I'm just here and that big project is also done now maybe i have a more time to think for myself and maybe i'll i'll figure something out i'll figure whether um you know the problem is in the the task manager or in the task itself so we'll see yeah and i think i mean i i get what what mike what you're saying that if this if you have something bigger going on then changing the task manager isn't going to solve it and I, I agree with that but I think too, as someone who's done this countless times, uh, there is there is benefit to moving into a new system because it allows you to see every single yeah like list and mm-hmm. project and to do item. It's like a really big review, right? Yeah, like when I moved into RTM, I realized that I had some stuff um, in here that just didn't need to be in here. Some things that you know just. These, this could go into notes or this really should be on my calendar and it did clear some some things up and uh, so there is benefit to that but uh, yeah, anytime you 
sort of blow up your system and put it back together. I, anytime I do it, I always try to ask like, what, what am I actually trying to do? Like, what am I actually anxious about here? And is it really about, you know, sorting lists or repeating tasks or whatever it is, or is there something like more fundamental going on? So I'm glad that you're thinking about that because it can be frustrating to go through all this and then still feel crappy at the end of the day. Should I take a break? Federico, I hope that you yeah. you return to uh, full power soon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you gonna you, are you gonna are you gonna accept me, whether I use to do this or not? Are we still you know, gonna be friends? You know that my love for you endures all task managers. <laughs> <laughs> how's how's remember the milk? It's good. <sighs> good. You happy? Yeah. yeah uh, you know what you talked about last week that the lack of um, sub lists is a little annoying. I have like a super janky workaround for that right now, but we'll see what happens. All right. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Away. Away are a team of thinkers, seekers, and designers, and this is what led them to making fantastic, smart, premium suitcases that you can get for under $300, so your luggage doesn't cost more than your plane ticket. And what do you need most of while you're traveling? You need more battery. We all have so many devices these days that when we're traveling, we need them charged at all times. And why not buy a suitcase that can charge all your devices while you travel? This is what Away can do. Both sizes of the carry-on feature USB ports with a battery large enough to charge your phone five times from a single charge. Away bags and accessories that are perfect gifts with their lifetime guarantee and 100-day trial. There's a perfect size and color for everyone this holiday season, or you can even grab an Away gift card if you have somebody that you can't think of, uh, you know, you know, who's a bit tricky, who's a tricky person to buy for. Get them an Away gift card, let them make up their own mind. Go to awaytravel.com connected and you can browse all of their suitcases. They're made with premium German polycarbonate, which is unrivaled in strength and impact resistance whilst remaining lightweight. You can choose from over 10 colors and now five sizes. Away have the carry-on, the bigger carry-on, the medium, the large, and my personal and new favorite, the kids carry-on for the smaller travelers among us. Away, make a kid suit, little case, that was so cute. And then can cut out all the middlemen. That's where you get these first class luggage options at Coach prices. Away suitcases have a patent-pending compression system. They have four 360-degree spinner wheels. They're compliant with all major U.S. airlines, so you can get them in on the plane. You don't have to check them. And they have TSA combination locks built right in, and they feature one of my favorite features, the removable washable laundry bag, so you can separate your clean clothes from your worn ones. I am going to be using my Away suitcase a bunch over the holiday season as I go and visit family and friends, and, and I'm happy that I have it because it's a lovely little thing, and it's got all of the features that I need from a carry-on. Away believe in the quality of their products. This is why they offer that lifetime guarantee. If anything breaks, they'll fix it or replace it for life. And they have a 100-day trial with a no-questions-asked return policy with free shipping on any order within the lower 48 states of the U.S. Travel smarter with the suitcase that charges your phone. Go to awaytravel.com connected. And if you use the code connected at checkout, you'll get $20 off their suitcases. That is awaytravel.com connected and the code connected for $20. $20 off. Thank you so much to Away for their support of this show and Relay FM. Uh, so as we're talking today, uh, iOS 11.2 came out over the weekend, and sometime yesterday, Apple turned on Apple Pay Cash. It is US only, so I apologize to my co-host. Um, but if you if you haven't come across this yet, and you're in the US, when you open uh, messages on your phone or iPad, you're going to get an ad now for Apple Pay Cash. People emailed me about that. Um, it's very much similar to the 
hey, sign up for Apple Music. Uh, but they got to tell people, I guess. Apple Pay Cash is not a standalone app. It is just an iMessage application. So you can use it in iMessage. It's it's part of QuickType, which is very clever. So if someone messages me and says, hey, you owe me 10 bucks, then QuickType brings up uh, Apple Pay as a, as a option that, that it knows that I may want. And I can very quickly send somebody uh, that 10 bucks or I can you know, do whatever I need to do. It is, um, we spoke about this when it first came out, Mike, but basically this works as its own like virtual debit card. So you can leave money on your Apple Pay card for use later in the iMessage app or anywhere Apple Pay is accepted. So right now I've got like six bucks on my Apple Pay card because I've been sending the same two or three dollars to different people as they've been on the beta. And yesterday as they wanted to try it out. Uh, and then if you want to withdraw it to your real bank account, you can do that as well. Uh, that's in the Apple Pay settings. This is a little limited. You can only have one account set up for withdrawal at a time. So for instance, somebody like me who I have you know, my personal finances and then I have my company's finances and then I have Relay's finances, I really need to decide what I'm going to use Apple Pay Cash for because it's a it's a big hassle to remove an account and then add another one for withdrawal. And I understand why they did that. It adds a lot of complexity. I think it adds some opportunity for shady business going on. Uh, so for me, I'm just going to use this for personal things. I'm not going to incorporate Apple Pay Cash into into either business. Um, but it, it works as advertised. It's it's fast. It's it's pretty simple to understand. It, it get because you're already because it's within the framework of iMessage, a, play, a world that we already all know. It's like okay, I'm texting with you know Jason. I can send Jason this money. I don't have to go elsewhere, and I don't have to know his PayPal or Dwala account. I don't have to know who what his handle is on something like Square Cash. I don't have to use Venmo. Uh, it's already within the the application that we're using to talk. And so I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be uh, a big hit. I think people are going to trust it because they trust iMessage, they trust Apple pay. And I think it's going to be a, a real convenience factor for people who use iOS all the time. It's not on the Mac. In fact, on the Mac, you get a little notification saying, Hey, if you want to see more about this transaction, uh, open your iPhone. So that's, that's a little bit of a bummer, but it's a, uh, it's it's great. I mean, in testing during the beta, it works exactly the way you think it would. Transfers are basically instant. The withdrawal is really fast. If you take the money from Apple Pay to your bank account, it gets there quickly. Um, so yeah, I've I've enjoyed using it in testing, and I'm looking forward to seeing the first time when someone out in the real world says, "Hey, can I just uh, Apple Pay you this money?" Because I think I think that's coming. I think people are going to use this. Hmm. Yeah, I really want to try this. Uh, uh, you know, because I I have. Um my how can i say it american apple id and i keep my <laughs> yeah. like why is that a shady thing to say? well i have a well, uh, as you would well, say because <laughs> because it because it requires an american credit card um mm-hmm. and um and an address um and i also keep my region setting to us i i see the apple pay cash app in iMessage and I can go through the initial setup but then it asks me for my social security number which of course I don't have and, you know <laughs> it's uh, that's the last missing piece of the puzzle I don't have a social security number so I cannot use it but it looks really nice it looks really great you know the uh, I think the transaction limits uh, make sense um, 
the integration is awesome. Uh, like I, I actually have all these shortcuts on my device, even if they're useless. Like if I open my contact card for Sylvia on my iPhone, there's a pay bu- uh, icon with the US dollar icon on top. And if I tap that, it's useless because it doesn't work. But all these integrations and the fact that it works with Siri, contacts, iMessage, um, I think it's great. Um, hopefully it will launch in Italy before 2025. So, yeah. <laughs> mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I hope that we will get it at some point. It looks really interesting. I think it's one of the best uh, representations of what an iMessage app can be. Like, it makes perfect sense that you would do it here. Like, even if the iMessage app store didn't exist, this is the type of thing that you would want to be in iMessage, right? Like, this yeah. is sensible. Like, you only ever typically need to send this money to a contact that you already know. You have their information. Their information's tied to their Apple ID. Your information's tied to your Apple ID. Let's just make this happen, right? Rather than needing to go and sign up for like, oh, are you on this service? No, I'm on this service. Oh, now I need to sign up. For, like you don't, nobody wants any of that kind of stuff. This is a much better way of doing it. So I think big thumbs up from me. Like I think that this looks great. Yeah, agreed. We'll I'm excited about it. So, Federico, this morning you published your big iPhone 10 review. Mm-hmm. And in mm-hmm. typical Federico Vitici style, it's broken into sections and yeah. there's graphs, mm. and there's screenshots, lovely screenshots. Um, and I, I want to talk a little bit before we get into the review itself, talking about uh, the workflow a little bit. Is this similar? Did this come together in a similar way that something like your iPad Pro reviews have? Or is this more like an iOS review? Like, how do you approach mm. this uh, this review this time? Yeah, I would say so. There's pro- there's um fewer screenshots and and media than an iOS review. That's a, that's a different approach that I wanted to try. I wanted to have more um more text and and fewer because I'm I'm not I'm not reviewing iOS and there's little point in in investing on getting a proper camera equipment to take iPhone 10 photos when just about everybody else has taken photos of the iPhone 10. Um so uh from from the media perspective it was relatively easy. There's probably 10 to 12 screenshots and photos in the review. Um uh, and the writing was also similar to what I did in the past. I I took notes this time in bare because I wanted to have markdown I wrote the review in Ulysses and I did the final editing in editorial because I needed the automation and the snippets and the workflows that I used to uh, massage Markdown, as they say, and do all my custom things. And I also used Workflow um, for the battery uh, tests and the benchmarks. Uh, I, uh, I wrote about this in issue 105 of Mac Stories Weekly, uh, there's a workflow that I made to automate these battery tests that uses reminders to send me uh, a reminder every five minutes to check the battery level of my iPhone 10. And I I used numbers to keep track of these uh, statistics. And um, I had to use a Mac to generate the chart for the battery section. This is, I'm not sure if this is possible on iOS or not. I couldn't find the feature on the iPad. But on the Mac, if you use numbers, you can right-click on a chart and it says copy as PDF. So what I did, I copied as PDF, then I opened Preview, and Preview has a feature called New from Clipboard. And so I, I 
uh, created a PDF uh, file in preview. I exported the file as a PNG, and then I used Acorn on the Mac to generate a high-quality version and a JPEG, a lower-quality version of the chart. So nice. a little Mac usage from me this time. Um, but yeah, mostly similar workflow to to the other reviews. So let's get into the the battery testing a little bit. For me, I mean, I, of course, wanted to know your impressions and your thoughts on the phone. But I think the the most um, sort of like long-lasting part of this review, like I think what will really be a resource for people for a long time to come, uh, is the battery testing. So looking at this, you used everything from the little dinky adapter that comes in the box that Apple has shipped for years and years, all the way up through what is it, a sixty-five watt? What's the one that comes with the big MacBook Pro? Uh, eighty-seven. Um, eighty-seven. All the way up through an eighty-seven watt, fifteen-inch MacBook Pro USB-C brick, and you use some third-party stuff as well. So you really went from the the smallest charger, five watts, all the way up to the biggest thing Apple sells. And what I found interesting about this is that these chargers kind of basically grouped themselves. Uh, you had a bunch of high wattage stuff that basically all charged more or less yeah. at the same speed. Yeah. And then you had some stuff in the middle, Some, I think some battery chargers and some wireless stuff. Yeah. And then you had the stuff at the, at the bottom. So did you have any surprises mm-hmm. in this? And I think the big takeaway is what should people buy to charge their phones quickly? Okay, so there's a first and important disclaimer here. This is not the kind of test where I drain my iPhone to zero and then I charge it to 100%. I decided to do a 60-minute test. So I wanted to answer this question. If I only have one hour of free time and I want to charge my iPhone, how do all these chargers stack up against each other? So I'm not charging the iPhone to 100%. And in addition to um, to that explanation like i want to see how much i can get in an hour there's also the fact that every uh, iphone battery has to account for trickle charging and trickle charging happens according to apple after 80 percent uh and so it becomes you know it, it becomes a very different test if you want to measure all these fast chargers and the wireless chargers and the usb usb chargers if you go from normal charging to fast charging and eventually trickle charging after 80%. So I'm only measuring the charge that an iPhone gets in 60 minutes from 1% to up whatever it is that a charger um, does to an iPhone. And also, I would say that the, the takeaway here is the 5-watt charger, you really shouldn't be using that. Um, <laughs> if you want the absolute best experience, you need to get a USB-C adapter from Apple. Now, I would recommend the basic 29-watt adapter, which is the one that also fast charges the iPad Pro. But right. if my tests in, in an hour, I the all the USB-C adapters usually arrive at somewhere around 80, 85%, 81, 82. Um, but I know that the more expensive ones, the 61 and the 87 especially, they the difference that they make 
can be seen after 80%. So between 80 and 100%, the 87.1 will be faster than the 29-watt uh, adapter. But Interesting. Okay. It, it, is, it, is a, it is a big difference in price point. So, and really the difference we're talking here, uh, you know, if you, if you consider the entire 100%, the difference between the 87 and the 29 watt is probably going to be 20, 30 minutes. It doesn't really matter at that point. Um, so I would say, if you just want to get your iPhone to 80% in an hour, get the 29 watt adapter. And but that one is uh, what forty nine US dollars, and, the, US and dollars. then you need a USB C to Lightning cable, which is like another twenty or so. Yes. So okay. with this one, you will get your iPhone from zero to eighty in sixty minutes. But if you get the Apple twelve watt adapter, so in my test, the twelve watt USB adapter, not USB C, just standard USB A, um, it got me around 65 to 70% in 60 minutes. Now, I'm not sure what's going on here. There's a footnote in my story about the fact that the iPhone 10 is not always requesting the proper 27-watt um, um, charge from the USB-C power delivery spec. Um, there's Somebody did a technical analysis using an electrical measuring tool, which of course I don't have. Uh, but there's Come there's on, a man. Man, the, you really, I'm sorry, really I apologize. So I would say that if you if you're on a budget and if you just want something better than the default charger in the box and you want to save money, get the 12 watt adapter. This has always been the case, even for iPhones before the iPhone 10, it's even more true now. But if you want fast charging, and if you don't care about getting the last drop of battery life in the shortest amount of time possible, don't spend money on the 61 or 87, get the 29. However, if you also have other USB-C devices, like a Nintendo Switch, or, I don't know, a USB-C battery pack, or a MacBook, for example, then maybe consider the 61 watt or the 87 mm, version. Of course, if you already have a MacBook Pro and you have a 61-watt adapter or an 87, then just get a lightning cable and charge your iPhone X as well. So it really, it really depends on what your needs are, how many USB-C devices you have. But ideally, the conclusion is, if you're on a budget, get the 12-watt. If you want to spend a little bit more, get the 29-watt and you'll be fine. It's complicated. Yeah, yeah it's very complicated. A, yeah, you, you need to account for all kinds of people you know i want to spend money i don't want to spend money i also have a macbook i don't have a macbook but i have other usb-c devices uh you know whenever you talk about usb-c it, it gets complicated it's just impossible to be, to to uh, to have a simple discussion about this because it's so versatile and that's awesome but it's also the downside that you need to account for all these possible variables so yeah. like you know you mentioned this in the article and i want to just underscore it like it is ridiculous how expensive these are and what actually comes in the box like it's really I think it's it's really bad on Apple's point. Oh, yeah. This is like and you mentioned it, I completely agree. It's like the sixteen gigabyte storage thing all over again. Yes. You're, you're, they're nickel and diamond customers. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's it just the five watt charger 
uh, I think I called it a cheap disgrace mm-hmm. in <laughs> in the story, and and I stand by it because it it you're spending. I mean, in Italy, I spent like fourteen hundred something euros on the iPhone ten, and when I open the box, I get the five watt charger. It's like you're selling me a Ferrari, but when I get when I get into the car, the steering wheel is made out of cardboard. And it just, it, you know, it's like, why? I'm paying such a premium for this device, but the, the very, like, the charger, which is, the, like, the thing that I need to charge the phone on a daily basis, you're, set, you're giving me the 5-watt the one. It's like, come on. In 30 minutes, the 5-watt charger, there's a chance you will not even get past 20% of charge. Yeah, which is, that's really bad. Like, that's really bad. I have a bunch of questions for you. I know Steven still has some more, um, just about this kind of review and, and just some more thoughts on the iPhone 10 in general. But let me take uh, our final break for today and thank Hover for supporting this week's show. Um, building your online identity has never been more important. And with Hover, you can find the domain that shows the world who you are and what you're passionate about. If you have something that's going on in your life, a business or an idea, you want to be able to get online as quickly as possible. That is just like a prerequisite these days. And more than ever, it is becoming more and more important to get domain names. I mean, it's one of the reasons why all of these other TODs exist now, because it's giving people more and more options to give themselves great domain names. Like, this is something that we've all thought about. Like, we all have... uh, certain identities and certain brands and certain characters and you know things that we want to have on the internet right like when i started a little website where i just wanted to post some pictures of stuff i was like oh this needs a domain probably oh i know what i'll do i'll come up with something funny and i got michaelsright.com right so it's just like there are little things that, that people want to do these days and you need domains for them and they can be for serious stuff or for silly stuff it doesn't really matter hover has all of the tools that you want they have fantastic customer support. It's best in class. They have personalized emails. Like sometimes it's not, I, we always talk about these domains as a way to get yourself a great domain for a website. But you could just get yourself a, a, a wicked cool domain for email. Like Hover has all of the stuff that you need for that. And they can help you get set up. And you could just end up with a great email address. And talking about those domain options, they have over 400 domain name, extent, domain name extensions for you to choose from, including all of the classics and the fun niche ones as well. So you can grab yourself something completely unique if you want to show the world what you're passionate about hover is there to help you make that first step head to hover.com connected right now and you'll get 10 percent of your first purchase thank you to hover for their support of this show all right so federico love the review um i did want to ask you a very thank quick you. question like were you were you concerned about writing a review of a product many months after it came out yeah yeah i was and um i i tried to because I knew I couldn't, of course, I couldn't beat other <laughs> websites in terms of timing. And the fact that I didn't get the iPhone X uh, on Friday when it launched, you know, sort of destroyed all my plans for a first impressions impressions story. So I decided to try something else and try to write about the bigger themes that I noticed around the iPhone X and sort of the the features and and the ideas that will have an impact long term i didn't want to sort of talk about face id in the sense of like all the first reviews that rightfully did the comparisons between touch id and face id i wanted to try about the long term impact of face id and the true depth camera uh 
uh, as it relates, for example, to attention awareness and what that could do to iOS. So I, I was concerned. I am still concerned. I hope that I was able to to convey this in the story and I hope that I was able to do a good job. But I, I realized if I want to do something that makes sense after a month, I need to take a look at the big picture instead of uh, you know all the details that the, the, the first reviews covered. I wanted to talk to you about Face ID, actually. Because... All right. Yeah, I saw you writing this. I've seen a lot of people writing this about like how Face ID is great because it removes the previous restrictions of Touch ID with like wet hands. Everyone talks about wet hands. Everyone's hands are wet all the time. And Touch ID <laughs> Touch ID was a problem for all of us. Um, yeah. But I really do think that Face ID is just bringing its own new restrictions. Like it gets rid of the wet hands problem, but like... I have noticed since I bought my iPhone how much I touch my face because I can't unlock my phone, right? Like I have my hand in front of my face or like I'm wait, I'm like in bed and I'm trying to unlock my phone and my um, I've got my face down in the pillow, right? So that doesn't work because it can't see my face properly or my favorite one, uh, which you mentioned as well. I think everyone's going through this. I realized that I uh, unlock my phone in the morning before I can even properly open my eyes because yeah, my phone yeah. won't let won't work. And you mentioned for you that that you feel that some of this stuff has gotten better, like these exact examples. But like, I don't feel like I'm having much more luck than I was before with these things. Like, I feel like the, the machine isn't learning so well for me and I'm still struggling with them. But even if they are better, even if I'm getting less of these over time, 100% without a doubt, Face ID fails for me more often on a daily basis than Touch ID did. It's, oh. it's just like I am looking at my phone and I'm trying to wait for it to unlock me and I get the little do do and then it, I can't find a way. Like I'm looking at my notifications and I'm waiting for my notifications to appear and they won't appear. And I'm wondering if I'm noticing it more than you two because I still have that notification thing on. So like you could be reading, right? And it's getting that second read of you. Right, because it will do one read and then might do another one. Where like I am noticing every failure because my notifications aren't available to me. So like I'm seeing it more, and I am like I I am convinced of this, like without a shadow of a doubt, that that Face ID is less um is is less uh reliable for me. Mm-hmm. I love it. And honestly, like, I wouldn't go back. Seriously, I wouldn't go back. Like, it is less reliable, but everything else about it is fantastic. So, because when it does work, it works like a billion times better than Touch ID because it's just so much nicer than, like, totally with you, right? The idea of, like, moving your thumb down and pressing a physical or pretending to be physical button to go to a place, like, or to, like, to, to not even necessarily go to a place, but to authenticate me, like, moving my thumb to the home button to authenticate me for one password now just feels like this super strange and weird thing especially on my phone because my phone's just in my hand where like i have both of my arms and my hands out when i'm using my ipad anyway like it's a very it feels different to me right but like with my phone it's like this is wild town but i I do feel that it is less reliable like without a doubt for me yeah um it's it's the opposite for me um i i i honestly think that um Face ID is much much more reliable than face than Touch ID was for me, um, and uh, I have the notification setting turned on as well, um, and okay. I feel like it's gotten better at recognizing recognizing my face in the in the morning. Um, so yeah, my my experience I would say is uh, is very different than than yours, and um, 
I, I don't know why that is the case. I, I feel like maybe I, like I like when you when you say um, I don't use my my iPhone when I'm lying down with my face in the pillow in, in bed. I, I don't do that. So maybe that's one of the reasons why I haven't noticed. Um, but yeah, overall, like the fact, like I, the wet hand problem, that was really, that was really like, I, I, I hate it when touch ID didn't work because whenever I was washing the dishes or getting out of the shower or like, uh, I was playing with the dogs at the beach, for example, and it never worked. And with face ID, that is another problem. So I really noticed that besides the joke, I really actually mm-hmm. noticed that difference. I think that maybe more than Touch ID, Face ID is is dependent on your personal situations. I feel like that there are more like things sure. that can be independent to a person than Touch ID necessarily would have been because inherently the system is vastly more complicated. Right, like what it is doing is incredibly more complicated, so it feels like there are more potential avenues for a problem to occur. Um but yeah, I, I don't doubt that your situation is fine. Like I, I really don't. Like I believe that. Like I'm, I'm not like ah, oh, Federico's just he's drunk the Kool Aid and he's he's loving his perfect face. I did. Like I believe that you are having great luck with it. Um, but I think that it is just differing from person to person. Yeah. But it is not a situation where I'm finding myself being annoyed at it. But I am recognizing it. Yeah, uh, yeah, I the, get it. That Mofi Chi battery that you have uh-huh. the external oh, I, battery I with the cloth it. on it that thing looks legit i my my mofi like my original kind of mofi my small mofi that i just have for like emergencies i think the battery isn't as strong on that as it used to be so uh, you know, all right wait the the chi one is not the one with the cloth oh the chi one is just black just I thought it had black. The, what's the one with the little cloth on it then the that one is just USB-C. Yeah, USB C uh, battery. Oh well, then uh, pff, I don't the, want it the Chi one is just a no, black I don't rectangle. Want it anymore. I like the cloth. The cloth was well, cool. It, I can like... tell you that it's awesome. I have it right now next to me. I'm talking to you via the microphone. There's a Chi battery, and my iPhone is on top. I can pick up both with one hand, and when I'm done, I can just pick up the iPhone and go. There's no cable because it's a battery with the Chi surface on top, which is awesome. Like I, I, I right now I want someone to make a Chi battery that supports the 7.5 watt wireless charging on ios 11.2 with cloth uh, that on doesn't it. exist yeah put cloth with, on it I'm, I'll, I'm I'll, do it this, I'll do it this afternoon <laughs> yay okay uh do a kickstarter steven for a chi battery with cloth if it doesn't catch fire uh go for it uh you Wait, have wh- my... when you say that do you mean like if the kickstarter doesn't catch fire like it's like it's not I mean the actual battery. Oh Steven, right, yeah, yeah. Don't okay. die. Trying I to believe make a battery. I believe Stephen could make a non non flammable battery. Sure, sure. sure. I believe yeah. that. You have my you have my three dollars, Stephen, for Thank the you. campaign. That yeah. is not a lot of money. This is really cheap <laughs> as well. Three dollars. It's a super fast charging <laughs> battery with cloth. Three dollars. Yeah. You heard it here first. Mm-hmm. I just need uh, fourteen million backers. You know the math. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah, make it up in volume, scale, man. Yeah. Come on, that's basic cap- capitalism, man. That that that's how it works. Yeah, it's, it's the Amazon models. approach. Yep, you should you should works. do the Bezos. Do the Bezos. Mm-hmm. It's three dollars, but for twenty million people, it totally works. <laughs> Easy. So so, what's the what's the long story with the iPhone 10? Right now, it's mm. at the high end of the market. It's this phone that's unlike anything else. 
But eventually we're going to see these features wind their way down the product line, right? So where do you see that that going in the future? So I've been thinking about like how will the iPhone 10 affect the you know the next iPads and the next iPhones and uh, and I think we can like I tried to um highlight the sections that I that I chose to write about because I think those will be the key elements that we'll see trickle down to next the next iPhones and the next iPads the the fact that the camera will increasingly get into the 3D uh, space in the sense that we'll get more portrait features, more AR features. We'll get, you know, perhaps the ability to do portrait videos in addition to photos. And, and you know, uh, all this, this idea of capturing 3D information via the true depth system and making an emoji that could be applied to a bunch of ideas like for example making a user avatar like a tiny cartoon like a me character from the nintendo wii like you could make that with true depth in the future maybe or i could see how true depth could be brought to the to the rear camera and make an even more powerful portrait mode um and for example the fact that iOS will continue to gain more attention-based features. Like, am I looking at the screen or not? Am I looking at maybe a specific portion of the screen? Or am I making a specific expression that the iPhone can detect right now and maybe do something else based on whether I'm smiling or not? And how can Apple integrate all these face recognition things behind the scenes? So it's not like I'm controlling my iPhone with my face, but my iPhone can subtly react to what I'm doing. So there's all these bigger themes. And of course, uh, wireless charging, we're going to get the air power met next year. And all the fact that iOS is a, an entirely gesture-based operating system now with the last button being gone, with the home button gone, it's all gestures now. So what does that mean for the iPad, for example? Um, so there's these bigger topics that I that I think will, in, in a matter, uh, honestly, I think Apple is going to be kind of aggressive here. I would say that in a couple of years, we're going to see uh, all these features, you know, attention, 3D camera, and wireless charging, and uh, the uh, the gestural operating system. Uh, I'm pretty confident that we'll get it on the iPad and we'll get it on the, you know, not just on one iPhone, but on multiple iPhones within a, within a couple of years. Um, so uh, I, I would be surprised if next year's iPad Pros have a home button and do not embrace, you know, this uh, gesture-only controls or if they don't have Face ID. Um, I, I believe that once, you know, once the precedent has been set with the iPhone X, then it's all just a matter of trickling down to the other devices in the ecosystem. And there's some features that maybe will be uh, more difficult to to implement like OLED on the iPad, for example, we have rumors that say that Apple is not gonna uh, bring OLED to the iPad next year, and I can see why. But overall, the major themes of the camera is now doing more 3D stuff than ever, and the camera can now authenticate you with your face and recognize your emotions and expressions. And there's wireless charging everywhere, and iOS is all about gestures now. I can see that uh, happening to every other Apple device in a, in a span of two years. I don't doubt that. This this is like the root, right? Like in the way that Touch ID was the root, in the way that Retina screens were the root. Like this is this is it. This is the the future of how these devices will look. So you can go and find Federico's uh, lovely 
lovely little review over at MacStories.net. It's nice and chunky, and there are multiple pages, and there's a bunch of different um, really interesting <laughs> topics that Federico raises in there, more than what we've touched on today. Um, so you can go and find that at MacStories.net, and Federico is at Viticci on Twitter, V-I-T-I-C-C-I. Stephen also produces wonderful content, colorful content, full of that spans all space and time um, over at FiveTailPixels.net, <laughs> and he is at ISMH on Twitter. Um, I am at imike, I-M-Y-K-E. Our show notes today are relay.fm slash connected slash 171. Thanks again to our lovely sponsors, the fine folk over at Eero, Away, and Hover. Uh, we'll be back next time. Uh, we'll be uh, recording a little bit later if you listen live because um, I'm going to be on location in Seattle, but I refuse to miss the episode. Um, so I'm going to be back on the show next week. We'll all be here. It's going to be a wonderful time. Uh, have bye everybody. Uh, until then, say goodbye, guys. Arrivederci. Adios.